I was studying, and I'm like, man, why am I here? Like, how am, you know, I, didn't, I don't really like being on stage. I like being able to sit out there and just take it all in. But uh, it's songs like that. I give myself away or just praying to God, like, God, use me how you want to. And so now when I do that, I make sure that I really mean it because or else it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, so tip number one. That's not the main message, but tip number one, don't sing certain songs unless you want him to do <laughs> So, So um, when Pastor, Pastor Teresa first asked me to, uh, to speak, she said that she wanted me to talk about living a clean life. I'm going to kind of talk about that, but also I realized that I know how to live a clean life up until 24 years old in uh, today, right? Tomorrow I'm going to need God's grace. And the day after, I'm going to need God's grace. And it's new every day. His mercies are new every day, right? So we're just going to talk about up to here, you know? And I think that's the main thing. Living a clean life is all just loving, living in God, the grace of God. Every day is a gift. And um, his mercy is new every morning. And I'm so thankful for that. So first question, how many of you go to school? <laughs> all right. How many of you work? All right. A few of you. How many of you, how many of you are in an, in an, an environment, whether it's work, school, uh, neighborhood, where you're around non-Christians, right? Most of our hands should go up. My, my hands are going up. Whether it's friends, anything like that. Everyone's, I hope everyone's hand goes up. Even if it's the grocery store, your hand needs to go up. So one of the things, and it's so crazy, today we were talking about, like, the kids coming up and school starting back up and the teachers going back in. I really, it really had been on my heart. Um, how do we engage, engage our culture for Christ, right, for Jesus? Like, not, not just here in the church, but, like, out there, outside of the world. How do we do it and, like, use our gifts? Like, I'm so happy. That's why I wanted to go after because I saw all the kids and their gifts and how we can engage Jesus, I mean, engage the culture for Jesus through our gifts because each of us here have a different gift. We can't all do the same thing. Not all of us can be up here, you know. Not all of us can sing. <laughs> That's why they didn't ask me to sing. They asked me to speak. <laughs> we, you know, we all can't play the, the uh, instruments. We all can't, you know, dance or whatever. So we all have different gifts, whether it's writing, things like that. How do we engage the culture for Jesus? And so, and this is also crazy. I wrote this before you even told me this, Santieri. You said, um, you called them the light bearers. Who are the light bearers again? All right, light bearers. And I wrote down, like, you know, Jesus calls it the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You guys know that scripture? And so a light, a candle, burns, gives light to a room, right? But if you put a candle in the sun, it's not going to do too much. So that candle, in fact, shines brightest in a dark place, you know? And so we have to, we have to go into those dark places that only we can go into, right, and shine light for Jesus, Right? And I'm going to give examples of where we can go so we can learn how to walk this out practically and all that type of stuff. But uh, my gifts are different. Josh mentioned that with my job. I'm able to I go into to, to, uh, schools and secular settings, and we're speaking this message of, <laughs> what did he say? Procreation, education. <laughs> we'll do it because there's little kids in here for now, but you guys know what we're talking about, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah. believe it or not, though, one of the things I've learned is that in... In the Christian schools, those are the ones I get the most opposition of talking about God. And we're in Christian schools, and I kind of mentioned how God created us. And, like, I had a kid who looked at me and said, no, he didn't. And I thought I was safe. I was like, oh, this is the Christian place. I can talk about it freely here, but not, not the case. 
In fact, more schools that are secular actually are more open to receiving God. We just got to be willing and open to sharing that light, right? So light bearers, you're, you're, you're a candle, not in the sun, right? But you're a candle like when the, when the, lights, when the lights went out. You need to be shining, right? So before we go into those dark places, though, we have to have a foundation in Jesus, in the Lord, right? right? You guys have the declaration. That was pretty awesome. And um, I want to share, I want to read from um, your scriptures, Psalm, one of your scriptures, Psalm 119, um, verse 9. Keeping our way pure. And the, one of the things, before I read it, one of the things that I love about this verse is that a lot of times in the Bible, someone may ask a question, but they don't necessarily give the answer right away. It's just kind of, you have to study and figure it out. But right here, are we there? What is that? The word works. Say the word works. again. <laughs> so Psalm 119, verse 9, says, how can a young man or woman, right, keep his way pure? And then it gives us the answer right away. It says, by living according to your word, right? We don't even have to wonder, like, how do we live our lives pure? It says it right there, by living according to your word. That's the word of the Lord. And it says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And one of the things the scripture shows us is that um, I rejoice in following your statutes, your laws, right? So it's, it's not a burden to follow the Lord. I think in our culture, in our society, when we're in schools, it's just like, oh, you're a Christian, man. You got to follow these rules and everything. The thing is, it's, that's not a burden. Like, we should be rejoicing in the laws of the Lord, right? That's such an awesome thing. Have you ever, well, I know you have. How, you've all done something bad at one point in time. Let's just go to, for parents. Like, think about when you were younger and when you disobeyed your parents. At the time, when you were doing that thing you weren't supposed to be doing, it was, like, cool, right? It was, like, good. Um, it was okay. But then after you get caught or when the thing you did that was wrong, it, it doesn't go the way you planned, then you're like, man, that sucked, Right? <laughs> But if you think back, if you did the right thing that you were supposed to do, then you don't have to worry about anything at all so that we can rejoice in those laws and those rules that our parents set, the rules of the Lord and all that. And I think, <laughs> you know the movie The Sandlot? Hope you've seen that. If you haven't seen The Sandlot, that's your homework. It's like he, this kid, they're playing baseball, right? And one of the baseballs, the only baseball goes over a fence. And so this kid has a baseball at home, and he goes home and gets his baseball. But the problem is this baseball is signed by Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, the, you know, one of the greatest baseball players, and they play with the ba Babe Ruth baseball, and he knows he's not supposed to do this, right? Well, he kind of knows, but doesn't really. He knows it's a special ball. And so they play with it, hit it over the fence again, and the ball gets ruined. <laughs> so it's disobedience. He, we need to find joy in, in obeying the rules of the Lord. He knew that baseball wasn't the right thing to be playing with, right? And that's the same, whatever our baseball is, you know? Like, we should follow, have joy in obeying, like, okay, this is, this is the thing that God doesn't want me to do. This is the thing God doesn't want me to touch. And it's not rules as much as it's, it's freeing us up to live, truly. Because that worry and that weight that comes after, goodness, it's, the, it's, it's awful, you know. 
So there's joy in following the Lord. And then I want to flip over to Psalm 1. <clears throat> this is uh, my, family's <laughs> my family's Bible verse right here. So much so that I learned how to read by reading Psalm 1 uh, in the King James Version. And my mom made me read it for everybody for like a few weeks. And then like, <laughs> um, what was his name, the, the little one? Sean, Sean. Just like everyone got up and like was clapping for you, like, yeah, you did. That's how they did for me. I was embarrassed. So I was just like, thanks. Like, <laughs> and, and Ashley knows, I, I read so slow. It took forever for me to get it, but I was just like, bless the man. But I did it. And so Psalm 1, my family's um, scripture. Uh, here's another way how we can keep our ways pure. And it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of mockers, right? Do we have that slide up there? It's not really anything, but it's just the next point. Um, and one thing I learned, Mommy T, I learned this recently, I don't know if I noticed this before, but there's like a degression that this psalm um, kind of has. It goes from standing, from walking in the counsel of the wicked, to standing in the way of sinners to sitting in the seat of mockers, right? And it was like, that's, that, I put a little note in my notes, the equal sign equals disaster, right? Because we start by just walking, and next thing you know, we stop, and we're just standing there amongst everybody. Then we sit, and we're like, we're with them, we're amongst them, and then that's disaster. You know, I never noticed that before until, until Thursday when I talked to one of my mentors, he was saying that, and I was like, wow, like, that's the degression. You go down, right? And then so, let's, let's look at the good side. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, right? Remember, it's a good thing. It's delightful. And on his law, he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. So, this tree that that the, the scripture's talking about, the roots go deep, right? So much so that even if it doesn't rain, it's still picking up water from the streams that are nearby, you know? It doesn't need the rain to, to help it grow. Its roots are so deep and so grounded that it can pick up those, those roots. And so I had a slide, I think it came up, uh, about being like an oak tree, okay? Be like the oak tree. And so, not a mushroom, okay? Can everyone say like, be an oak tree? And not a mushroom. Not a mushroom. So, when we, can we get that up? Okay. Um, so, we have a, trees, right? The way trees work, that they actually give life to the atmosphere. And as you know, I, found a, I looked on Google and I found like a fun fact about trees. Trees, a, a big tree, a big enough tree can supply oxygen for four people for four days. Right? Right? So that's what a tree can do. And so when we're a tree, we, you know, we bear fruit. We can give life to, you know, it, give, it bears fruit for, for animals and humans, right? And then it also uh, provides nesting for birds, and it, it just makes life better, right? But a mushroom, what a mushroom does is that it just sprouts up. You ever seen, like, in your yard, like, when a mushroom comes? It's not, it's not there, and the next morning it's there, and it's, like, big, and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> and it's like there. And so mushrooms sprout up super fast, right? 
and they can, it can be a lot of them all over the place. And you think, this is how we don't, where we don't want to get caught up. We don't want to be like mushrooms where we think we're sprouting up all over the place, doing all this little stuff, because mushrooms don't actually have substance. And I looked, and they said, like, a mushroom, it can be huge, right? But when you put it underneath the microscope, it's actually not very dense. It actually looks like little weaved garments, like a very loosely knitted, um, like a loosely knitted scarf, you know? And so mushrooms, they're mostly water. <laughs> they're mostly water. And the fact is, you can actually die if you eat most of them. I put that on there. Like, most of them will kill you <laughs> if you eat a mushroom, right? And so... <clears throat> Don't, we don't want to be like mushrooms where we think we're doing this, we think we're doing that, or we're all over the place, you know? But the oak tree, right, takes time. An oak tree doesn't grow overnight like the mushrooms do, you know? And there's this, there's this um, cool picture that says, um, it has different people in the Bible on this picture. And it said, Jesus waited 30 years, um, Abraham waited 90 years, right? Jacob waited 12, no, wait. 14 years, right? And then it says, if God's making you wait, you're in good company, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it, it wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't a day thing or a weekly thing uh, before they became oak trees, you know? Same thing with all of us, especially young people uh, like Manny, Yair, like as we're growing up and we're wanting to do like all this epic stuff with life and we're like, it's not happening fast enough. I'm trying to be there already and have this done. Like an oak tree, that takes time, right? That means the, the roots have to go down, and we have to become something, sprout up, and provide life for others that are around us. That's impacting culture. And so, um, <clears throat> and that, that's one of my struggles now. It's like wanting it now. It's like happening right now. <laughs> you know, I want to be there already. But an oak tree doesn't come over, overnight. And so when we take everything away, who are we, right? And a mushroom you can take up easy. Just dig down a little bit, pull it out and it's gone, but an oak tree, that's not gonna come down with one swift, you know, ax, you know? And so when we're planted like a tree, we're able to impact our cultures, our groups, our schools, our classrooms, uh, our jobs, whatever that is, we're able to impact those groups. And um, like the tree, it provides shelter, it provides food for all those different people, so we're not just there for ourselves, but we have all these other people that are able to come to us, eat a little bit, not in a bad way. They're able to eat a little bit because that's what we're there for. We're there to provide life, right? And so this has really been on my heart, this in, engaging and impacting our cultures, mainly because it's what I've been having to do, and it's, it's, it's fun, really, to be honest. And so <clears throat> growing up, um, I thought I had to have, like, a, when I would go to church and I would hear someone give a testimony, usually it was, like, always something, like, really bad they went through, right? Like, they went through the the dirt, and they came out like, wow, and they found Jesus. But I used to sit there like, wow, that's amazing. Like, what would I say? Like, oh, I grew up in the church. I had to learn Psalm 1 to read. I mean, I read, I learned Psalm 1 by reading. It didn't seem very impactful, you know? And I was like, it's not that special. But um, Tigra Little, some of you guys know Tigra Little. One time she told me, um, she said, you don't have to be dragged through the mud to have a good testimony. And that, that stuck with me. I was like, okay, so I don't have to do all that to, to come out on top and then be shine bright. Like, we can be wherever we are, whether you grew up out there, whether you grew up in the church, and still have a powerful testimony that someone needs to hear, you know? And so I'm not saying mine's squeaky clean. There's some uh, dirt rocks and things like that <laughs> thrown at it. But um, it's not 
we can still be <laughs> effective for where we are. And so the Bible, especially uh, young people, kids, uh, not, not kids, I don't like kids, young people, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Bible is, an only, is not only for church, you know? In fact, you can clap for that, I guess. <laughs> the Bible is not only for church, it's for the world out there, you know? Sure, it's good to come here, recharge, you know, learn some things, but man, we need to take this out there into our schools. And that's kind of where I, growing up, where I kind of messed up. I always thought of it more like, okay, you go to church for the Bible, or at home in your room, not outside. You don't have to talk about it out there, you know, as long as you know your personal relationship with God. But like, no, it's for out there, right? And so um, this, is, this is for our classroom. This is for our, uh, our work, wherever we are, we need to be doing And I'm not saying we have to wear a T-shirt that says, I love Jesus on it. You don't have to do that, right? You don't have to stand on the corner preaching to everyone as they go into the school. But you can just be that light and be when that conversation opportunity comes, you got to jump on it. Can't be afraid. So I want to share a little something. I'm moving along because it's kind of, yeah. So <laughs> I want to look at Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to, I'm going to give a brief overview, right? So Israel's been, uh, been in captivity under Babylon, right? And there's these guys there who are Israelites, and their name, his name is Daniel, and he has his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah. And I really like those names. I like those are, you might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I actually like the Hebrew names better because it's just, they're prettier. I think they're super pretty. And um, so Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, his, this evil guy, has a dream, right? And he really wants his dream interpreted, you know? And so he, tell, he calls on all his magicians, his enchanters, and, um, you know, people who are into the magic arts and all that. And he calls them to interpret this dream for him. And then when they say, okay, um, king, tell us what your dream was, and then we'll interpret it for you. He says, he says, no, you know, tell me what my dream is. Don't try to trick me and try to make something up. Tell me what my dream is. And then interpret it for me. Don't mess this up. And he said, and they're like, king, that's impossible. No one can do that. No man can do this. And then so the king says, whoever, he, he makes a decree, basically. Like, if you don't interpret my dream, tell me what the dream is and interpret it. You're all going to die. Everybody. All the magicians, all the enchanters, right? And that includes Daniel, <laughs> uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. All of them going to die. And so Daniel, check this out. Uh, in verse 17, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon, right? Here's what, here's what sticks out to me in that point. Our friends, right? So Daniel immediately, when he found out, he's like, I don't want to die. I don't know how many of you here want to die for something that, out there like that. But he went immediately and ran to his friends and said, Guy, guys, we've got to go to the Lord and pray about this, right? And so this is the, this is the question I have for you. Like, who, who are your friends? That, this is not just for the kids. This is for the, the, the parents, too, all of us. Who are our friends, 
Like, who, who are we surrounded by that we can go to and run to when, that stuff get, when life is getting hard and when we're about to die, whether physically or spiritually or whatever? Like, who are we running to? And I had a picture, and I asked a question. <laughs> um, who, who are our Christian Avengers? Right? I, that's why I have, I have my shield over there. Um, so who are the Christian Avengers? Right? Who can we go to? Whoever, whichever character you are, it doesn't matter. But, like, who, who are you calling when things get hard and things get rough? Who are you calling to assemble together that we can go to God in prayer for our lives, right? And for our culture and for our city that we can gather around. You guys know the Avengers, don't you? I know you're excited on the inside. <laughs> if you're like me, I'm like, nerd, like you're like a nerd like me. But um, <laughs> So those are our friends. Daniel went to his, his Avengers, his friends, right? And they gathered around and they, they sought the Lord. And um, <laughs> friends, I just think, are so super important. And I don't... We, we can't only have Christian friends, right? Some of our friends need to be non-believers too that we can witness to, right? But they can't outweigh. It can't be these are non-Christian friends and they way out, they way outweigh the, uh, the Christian friends, you know? Like we have to have that, really, I think the Christian friends should outweigh the others. But we don't avoid those other ones. Here's, here's um, a case I made. Um, <clears throat> I have two friends, right? We're on live stream, so I won't say their names, but they have the same name. And your pastors know, know both of them, actually. One's a Christian, one's not a Christian, right? And I have them, like, you can think of them on either side of me, you know? And <laughs> Jake's, Jake's, yeah. And so, um, you know, they're both in my lives. But the friend that I allow to have the most influence on me is the one that's following the Lord, right? And the one who I'm trying to influence is the one that isn't following the Lord, Right? And so they're both, um, just to quote Joshua again, one's not engaging in pre-procreational uh, things, <laughs> and the other one is with every, all the time, <laughs> whatever he can. And I'm always talking to him about it, like, man, like, we have, like, these deep conversations about stuff. And when I first met him, I never went to him like, hey, you need to know Jesus. You got to do this. You're doing this wrong and all that. It was one night we went out to eat. And he's, you know, he knew, he knew I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. And one night, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and we went to like this place, uh, like a Denny's, and we were just eating. And then uh, we're in his car talking, and I'm tired, man. I'm trying to go home. But he's just on and on talking about God and like how he grew up, you know, uh, at a Christian school. And he was so afraid because he thought that every time he did something bad, people told him, that his teachers told him he was going to hell. And so, no, it really, he was just like, I'm done. I don't need it. And so I was there. Now this is going on like 3.30. I'm there talking to him, like, about the biblical truths of that. You know? Doing, you know, not doing your homework doesn't send you to hell, right? It's not having Jesus. And so if, <laughs> what, if, what if I had been like, oh, he's not a Christian. I'm not going to hang out with him at 2 o'clock in the morning because I don't want his bad stuff to jump onto me. You know, let me, you know, push him off like that. But instead I was there for him, Right? And being that influence, being that impactful voice at 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> right? And it was so effective. I'm seeing very slowly changes in his life. And he's starting to leech on in a good way. I shouldn't say leech, but attach to my family, you know, my sister and, like, you guys, right? Um, and God's working on it, you know? And this is, that's just one, but there's so many examples of where, you know, we have these friends that we need to be impacting and influencing. But... Keep in mind, though, I, while I have him, I have my other, my Avengers over here. These are the ones that, like, when I'm making a major decision or where, 
you know, I'm making mistakes or they might, they, they can check me and they can, you know, bring me back on point, you know. And so, um, Kenny Lattimore said this too one time. He was, um, I heard him speak and he was going through a tough time uh, in the media and all this stuff. They were saying bad things about him and then, you know, he didn't like go out and say anything, you know, on social media or anything like that. But he said he went to his friends and then he, he quoted Jesus when he did this, when people were saying, like, asking Jesus, like, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? All this. He went to his friends and he said, like, who do you say I am? Right? Like, those are the kind of friends we need to have that when everyone's saying all these lies and all these things like that, can we go to our, our core group and say, like, who do you say that I am? And they know who you are. They know what's out there because they know everything. And so they know, like, okay, this is a lie because Anthony would never do that, right? You would never do that. And so even, I'm not, this isn't even a young adult thing. This is, can start in elementary school where we can have our friends that we just, you know, why are you so good at ballet, Grace? And then you're like, Jesus. <laughs> Simple as that. You and Chloe, same thing. You guys can just be there for each other. And so we're actually going to later, at the end, we're going to write down um, our cultures. What culture can we be engaging now, whether it's our work or whether it's a thing that we want to venture into. And then we're going to write down at least three people that, we're gonna, that are going to be in our Avengers team. It can't be our pastors either. You've got to choose someone else. Like, you know, family. It could be family, but I'd like to see some friends in there as well. Um, is there any chance we can get some of these quotes up that I have on there? Okay. So we're going to go back to Daniel and the dream, right? So after he went to his friends, the dream was interpreted, right? Are we in Daniel still? Yes. 219. So then verse 19 says, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And he has this whole pra praise and this prayer that he prays to, praises to God. So God, after he went to his friends, right, his avengers, he goes and, you know, God reveals that vision to him. And so their life is spared. But here's the thing. Not only Daniel's life is spared, but also, you know, his friends and even the evil Babylonians, the magicians, all those guys, the, the uh, enchanters, all of their lives are spared as well. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, after he in interprets the dream, we're going to skip over to verse <coughs> 48. You guys are there? Okay. Verse 48 says, after Daniel, you know, interprets the dream, he says, Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained in the royal court. Here's what sticks out to me right there. He had a request, right? He could have said, oh, you know, king, um, I'd rather just serve in, in church only. I don't want to be in your court because you're bad. You know, he didn't say, you know, my friends, we'd rather, you know, only play instruments, you know, here at Hillel. But he said, like, no, we'll, they're out there at the coffee shops, at the, the clubs playing, but they're, they're doing it for the Lord, right? And, like, that's so, 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 so important. I think a lot of times as we get older, we can kind of get scared of being out in the world, in the culture for Jesus, because we think maybe we're going to get influenced or flipped aside or, you know, but if we have that foundation, like they did, you know, then we can go out and be those lights. So they kind of infiltrated a dark place, you know. And 
I just think that's so important that they, he had, at Daniel's request, you know, he, he appointed his friends into these positions so that they can be a light, light bearers, right, in, dark, in darkness. And um, I think we can't, like, not being afraid of being, thinking that the darkness is going to jump onto us, right? <laughs> it's not going to happen, not with Jesus inside of us. And so there's this quote by Lecrae. If that can come up, yeah, there we go. And I just love this quote of how he says this. He says, Daniel saw his role just as spiritual at, and glorifying to God as the priest. For Daniel, there was no church time and work time. There was no separation. All the work he did was sacred. Right? So <clears throat> it's not like we're, we can only write, you know, certain songs that, you know, have this or that. Like, if, we, if someone asks us to write a song that maybe they're not a believer, the, we can still be doing that work for the Lord, and it's sacred work. Right? And... Um, kind of like me and my brother, we just, well, it's his project, but we just did uh, this thing called, this web series called Citizens of Compton, where we're kind of uh, showcasing different people from the city of Compton. And um, it's something that we're using to, like, engage the culture, right? We're sharing about our upbringing and all those things. And so it's sacred work. It's not, um, oh, this is just my project, you know, outside of God. Like, no, all the work that we do is God's work. <laughs> You know, like all the pictures I draw, all the songs you, you sing, you rap, like they're all for the Lord, right? And I think Lecrae, he's doing it the best right now out of almost anyone. People call him a Christian rapper. He prefers to call him, refer to himself as a rapper who loves Jesus, right? If you want to even add that, he's just a rapper, but he also loves Jesus, right? And, but he's living for him in these dark places, right? He has the, I think some of the worst fans, and they're all Christians, Here's why I say that, because he took a picture with Kendrick Lamar at, like, a, a award show, and the comments were full of people quoting scripture saying, you shouldn't be hanging out with him because of this, this, this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's doing the right thing. He's, he's in the perfect place to be that light. And, and you see, like, I'm seeing even in some of the, the influence he's having in certain people's music, God's coming up more. Jesus is being spoken more, not in a negative way, but in a you know, uplifting. They still have ways to go, but he's in the right place, right? And it's just, he's in such a difficult, I think you, you should all like him on Facebook, right? Because he has some interesting commentary, but also read some of the comments and make sure you're not saying the same thing, right? Because we don't want to be saying, oh man, he's hanging out with this person, he's hanging out with that person, he shouldn't be singing that song. Like, Lecrae's, he's living for Jesus in a dark world, and I love it. And so, um, how are we doing? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So <laughs> I want to share one more thing. A friend of mine, one night, we were at my house, and uh, it's a couple of friends of mine, and we were having dinner. And he likes to do this, this thing called like, fire dancing. Have you heard of fire dancing? Like you have like these staffs, and you spin them around. It's pretty amazing. Um, and he went to this event called Burning Man, which is this thing in the desert. You guys, some of you know about it. And it's in the desert. This is Burning Man. That's what it looks like at night. The daytime pictures are way, way different. But um, you see, like, in the very distance, like, a big, tall statue. That's the Burning Man, right? And all the lights are, like, fire dancers and stuff. And so it looks pretty, but it's dark. And I don't mean, like, just in picture. I mean, like, it's actually a dark place, okay? And so he's a Christian. He enjoys doing fire dancing. And one night we're just talking. He's like, man, he said, it just upsets me so much how 
uh, the church isn't at Burning Man, how we're not there speaking. Like, we look at those people there, and we just like, oh, they're, they're dirty. They do this, they do that, and I don't want to be around them. But he's like, we just need to go. And I'm like, look, we're like looking at him, and we know what Burning Man's like. And so me and my other friend, we're like looking at him like, yeah, I'm not going to Burning Man. <laughs> like, that thing is scary. There's some scary-looking people there with like these crazy contacts in their eyes and all that. But I'm like, when he was talking, he was just sharing with so much passion and conviction. I was like, guess who should be at Burning Man sharing the gospel of Jesus? You, you know, you are perfect, and your friends who are also Christians are the perfect ones, not your pastors. They can't engage, they can't reach that culture the way he can, you know? Just like I can't reach certain of the, I can't reach the culture Jair can. Probably not, I'm not cool enough. <laughs> and, and like Manny, I'm not going to be smart enough to reach some of the cultures Manny can, because Manny's like super smart. And so, like, all of our cultures, like, we have to be engaging them you know, the way only we can. And you, same thing for, you know, younger people. Like, you're the ones who can reach those cultures. And so, Bernie Man's a crazy place, and I pray that he <clears throat> is able to go there. Um, and so, I'm going to skip that part, but for adults, particularly parents, um, I think it's really important that we help guide our kids, right, and what their gifts, their talents are. And we try to guide them, one, to use those gifts in the church, super important, right? Even if it's art, painting, worship painting, and all that type of stuff, but also to use them outside. And even the same song, some of those same songs, I'm not saying they all have to be, you know, Christian songs, but I think Mary, did you know? Someone would love to hear that in a open mic night at a coffee shop, right? (laughs) And it will minister minister to somebody in in the same way it does here. They probably don't even know know who Jesus is, but people need to know, even here in America, you know? Like, we think, we assume that people know Jesus, but they have no idea who he is. We need to, those songs that we perform here can be performed out there in a very much similar way. And so, like, find out what your, your kids, what their gifts are. It's not always the arts. It can be education and intelligence. And, like, teach them how they can be a, a tutor, <laughs> right? A tutor at their schools that they can uh, share with other kids who need help. And so I have a lot of friends that are doing amazing things and while I was writing this message and things, I was just really like wanting to encourage them and remember, reminding myself to encourage them in their particular fields. Like I have some friends who work in Northrop Grumman um, and they're building lasers and all this crazy stuff and <laughs> like amazing things that, that are used for our government, for national defense and all that type of stuff. And they're, they're there as believers, right, on the front lines. And so we need Christians in those places, right? So we need to raise up the Christian. If we know they're a pastor, they need to be pastors. But if we know they're called to something else, they, we need to make sure they're using their gifts and talents in those places, those dark places, like Daniel did, yeah. right? Yeah. Dream interpretation for the Lord. Yeah. That was the spirit behind it. And he used that and saved not just the, uh, his, his people, but he saved even the people that weren't, you know, believers. And there's much more to that tale. But um, can we bring up... <clears throat> Oh, and I have another friend, she, she does uh, theater, and then um, another guy was doing swing dancing at his church, and people would come in, some people who were Christians and weren't, they would come in and they would do swing dancing, and they learned how to do it. And so, one of my fields, um, I like throwing, I like parties, right? And typically when we talk about parties, we think of parties as bad, that's how you fall into sin, but is it, it's not just the, it's not parties, it's people that make parties bad and sinful right? Nothing is sinful, but man makes, mommy too, you said this to me back there, and I was already kind of thinking of that, but for example, like if I had a butcher knife, 
and I was like holding it right here, you'd probably think I'm going to kill somebody, you know? But in reality, that same butcher knife can, in the hands of my mom, be used to cut food and give it out to <laughs> poor people, right? People who can't afford food, right? And so it's not things that are evil, but it's things of how man uses it that makes it evil. So I like giving Christmas parties every year, and um, people come dressed up, and we dance and all this stuff and have a good time. And <clears throat> I noticed that some years people will come, they want to, like, dance a certain way that the rest of the crowd wasn't dancing like, if you guys know what I mean. And so the, no one's over there judging them or saying, like, hey, we don't do that here. It was just the environment, the spirit within the, the party wasn't going that way. And this same person, while they were more than welcome to stay at the party to come back, they didn't come back the following years, you know. But I want them there, and I want people who aren't Christians to come. Because every year what I do is I do, like, I do like a toast, and then we, uh, I always toast um, to, to Jesus and, like, his birth. Whether it's Christmas Day or not, I just toast about Jesus' birth and say, like, we're here to celebrate Jesus' birthday, right? And I share about the gospel, and I'm like, even if you don't know, even if you don't know Jesus or you don't like Jesus, guess what? You're here because of Jesus. So we're going to, I make that very clear, and people are like, Anthony, you're the only guy I know that can uh, make people pray even if they don't believe in Jesus or not. And I'm like, that's what we're going to do. So I want to read a quick quote, and then uh, I'll do the last thing, and it says, um, this guy who came to my party last year, and I had never, uh, I had never met him yet, and he said, he messaged me on Facebook, and he said, yeah, I really like the crowd. No one was stupid, drunk, or anything. There was no pills and stuff. It was a good, clean party. I really enjoyed it, and I said some stuff to him, and then he wrote me back again. He said, There's, that's another reason I enjoyed the party, because I had literally the exact same idea that you can have a good, no-drinking party, but I had never actually seen it done before, and that party showed me that it can be done and still be cool, and he's like, how'd you do it? And I don't have to give myself much credit at all. It's just God. I just want to provide an environment where people can come and have real fun, right? Where we don't have to worry about being dra dragged away by some unsafe person, but where you're really there in a safe place and that we all can just have fun and celebrate the Lord. So that's how, there's a lot of people who aren't Christians that come. And another girl said the same similar thing about how, you know, everyone was so nice and kind to one another. She had never been to a party like that. And... That's just how God's, one way how God's using me with one of my gifts is the gift to, like, have people together and to dance and, you know, dress up and everything. And so uh, that's just my, my one thing. But then I want to read that quote you guys saw up there, John Coltrane. Um, I love this quote a lot. And this is in, um, from his album, A Love Supreme. And he talks about our work and the different things that we do. And he says, during the year 1957, I experienced, by the grace of God, a spiritual awakening, which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. At that time, in gratitude, I, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel this has been granted through his grace. All praise to God. This album is a humble offering to him, an attempt to say thank you, God, through our work, even as we do in our hearts with our tongues. May you help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. <clears throat> and I recommend you kind of keeping that and holding on to that because I'm, as I'm an artist and a writer and things like that, I'm remembering like this is all for the Lord. Even if it's not explicitly posting scriptures throughout it, like this is for the Lord. Like he's strengthening us and we can say thank you through the gifts that he's given us um, in every good endeavor. Um, so the last thing, last thing for engaging our cultures, whether it's homework, 
whether it's tutoring, sports, musicians. Um, chapter 3 of Daniel, there's uh, when Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, um, there's, a, there's a really good VeggieTales episode on this one <laughs> with the chocolate factory and like they were working, so you know it, yeah. <laughs> I think I wanted to show it, but it was too long. I was trying to find the right clip, but I couldn't find the right clip. And it would, I think it'll explain it much better than I ever can without reading this whole thing. But basically, the king, this is what I say, like, if you, find if you feel like you're the only one in this environment, right? If you feel like you're the only one serving Jesus, like, that's okay. But we have to make sure that we stand firm. And so, in uh, verse 3, it says, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Oh, because the king, sorry, the king made a decree that, you know, he built this huge gold, gold statue, 90 feet tall. And when you heard the music, you had to bow down to it and worship this statue, right? And so everyone was bowing down, everyone in the whole land was bowing down to it, except for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were not bowing down to the statue because they worshiped the Lord. And then at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the, the music uh, must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold. So the first thing is, Ashley knows this, <laughs> why they snitch on them? That's messed up, right? And that kind of reminds me, <laughs> it reminds me of my sister. Like, it seems like something my sister would do. Like, she used to snitch on me all the time, man. Like, that's Ashley for sure. Just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> the one time, side note, one, the only time I got a spanking from my dad is because my sister told on me. Because I called, I called her a stupid piece of crap. And uh, that was the only time my dad spanked me. And I never called her a stupid piece of crap again. And I never called her any other bad words either, so it worked, right? That's a good thing. So that's a sign. <laughs> no, it's all, good. it's all good. And so here's the thing. You have a, I can't say how many thousands or even millions of people were in Babylon bowing down to this idol, but you have these three guys who refuse to bow down, even when the king, you guys know the bunny story, like even he was going to turn the furnace seven times hotter than usual. They still said, you know, here, we're going to read this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But here's the big part. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It's like that defiance, right? But good defiance on, the, on behalf of the Lord, right? So even if we're surrounded by a bunch of people, as I said earlier, when my faith became my own, like, even if my whole family turned away, and even if all my friends I knew turned away, like, would you still stand on behalf of the Lord? Don't answer that question now, like, think of it on your own. Really think about it. And <laughs> the story I have for that, like, we have to stand for the Lord, even when it's scary, even when we think we're, you know, everyone's turning away from us. Uh, I have my own view that in America, it's easy to be a Christian in America, right? We don't have to worry that people are going to kill us, necessarily, right? But um, we need to stand for the Lord. And then my last thing, I have a story. Um, in 2002, we went to a Laker game, my family over here. And 
It was the Lakers. Get this guy out of this church. <laughs> no, get this. It was the Lakers versus the Philadelphia 76ers, right? And it was a Christmas Day game. And it was after the year that the 76ers lost, right? And the finals, so they played the big Christmas Day game. So our whole family, we're at the Staples Center. You know, we're repping the Lakers, as is everyone else, because it's like during the dynamic duo. But here, this lady, your pastor, was one of the two people, you and my brother Vidal, were the only two people rooting for the 76ers. <laughs> yeah, we can boo, we can boo the Allen Iverson. If you don't know, your pastor Teresa was one of the biggest Allen Iverson fans of all time. She even had a song, it was weird. <laughs> she was the biggest Allen Iverson fan. So you have a sea of purple and gold. Everyone's wearing purple and gold. You got two people wearing these 76ers jerseys. And the, the little car flag, remember you had that, you took it and you were waving it. So whenever Allen Iverson hit a three-pointer, do we have the picture of AI ad on there just so we can show it? Whenever he did something awesome, they were waving the flag like, yeah. And we're just like looking at him like, like come on, man. Like, <laughs> this is Lake. You guys remember that when we went? That was, that was, it was super fun. But that really makes me feel like, yeah, I put some pictures on there, AI, when he stepped over Tyron Lou, That was epic. So <laughs> um, the thing is, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Look at that. Look at that. That's crazy. You got AI. He was good. He was good. <laughs> that's why she did. That's what she said. We got three fingers for his number three. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but look, so you got this image, all that purple and gold, right? But she's still, we're looking at her crazy, but we're, she's still standing firm for her, her team, right? Or as, as these three guys were standing up for their God. Even though everyone else is bowing down, looking at them like, what are you doing? Get down. You're going to get thrown in the furnace. They're standing, <laughs> right? You know that person? But, like, they're still standing firm and tall for the Lord, right? And the good thing about us, none of us most likely are going to get thrown into a furnace, at least right now. Um, we pray that day never comes, but it might. And so the most we'll get, especially for the young people, the most we'll get is some people will laugh at us. Maybe they don't want to talk to us about certain things as much because they think we're going to judge them, but in which case we won't, right? But <laughs> we still have to stand firm. Even if everyone does turn away, we have to stand firm for the Lord, right? And I just love, I think that's a perfect image, actually. Now, I'm a Laker fan, I gotta, but I just got to give props where it's due, right? Like, he's going up against everybody, right? Just like they did. They went up, even if our God doesn't save us, even if I don't make this layup against Shaq, this is Shaq in his prime, like, I'm going up for it anyway. And... I'm pretty sure AI made that shot, too, just like these guys made that, that shot, right? They were thrown in the furnace, but, the, but God saved them. And he's going to do the same thing. It's the same God <laughs> and Daniel, and that's still here today, right? And so, uh, Terry, you just good job on staying firm. I think you guys lost that day, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty sure you lost. <laughs> so the story's not perfect, but uh, <laughs> you get the idea. And so... <clears throat> I guess the last thing is you don't, have to, you don't have to carry a flag, right? You don't have to wear the I Love Jesus t-shirts. You can if you want. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to, you know, walk around holding your Bible all the time. I had a friend who did that, who went through a uh, period of life from that where he always had his Bible with him. And it's like, dude, we're, <laughs> we're hanging out. Like, not now. Like, it's okay. We'll talk about it if you want. But, like, you don't have to carry your Bible with you everywhere, right? But when that time comes, you got to be ready to share the gospel. And you have to share the gospel often, right? So um, there is a quote that I enjoy that says, you know, 
Share the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I like that. But also, we do have to speak it, too. We've got to share the gospel with our words. We've got to do both. So through our art, through our, what we're good at, um, Manny going away to school. When, Man, when Manny was first going to UC Berkeley, right, uh, my mom was like, he shouldn't go there. It's, it's uh, they're liberal, and they're going to turn him away. I was like, no, man, if we have the prayer our family has and, like, the, the foundation we have, like, that's where Manny needs to be, right? Man, you got a big task on your head, dude. That's where he needs to be. And, and so with all those smart people and, you know, intelligent people, like, he needs to be there amongst the, that group, right? And we got to be praying for him, all of us. And same thing for Yair, you know, what he's doing and all those gifts and everything. And then Christian with your rap and you're producing, like, that's all super important stuff, so uh, you want them to stand up? Is that what you're doing? Oh, so um, we're done for the most part. I do want you guys, do we have the paper, do they all have paper right now? We're kind of out of time, we'll, yeah, I'm going to pray. Yeah, I just want us, what I want us to do, I want everybody, even our, even the pastors, to write a culture that you can best affect and engage, right? Like, who's on your heart? What culture? Which group? Like, really hurts you? Like, when, you're, when you think about them being lost, like, what breaks your heart for them? Is it writers? Is it songwriters? Is it rappers, right? Is it uh, scientists? Is it the party community? Um, there are some other things people name, but all those things. Who, who are, what culture is that? And then... I'm going to say it again, but who are your Avengers, your Christian Avengers? At least three people. Just write them down. Who can you call? Who are you going to call when, when the time gets hard? I can be on your list if you want. The Ghostbusters. <laughs> who are you going to call? Who are you going to assemble? And then number three, come up with an idea on how to engage them for the Lord. I shared one of my ideas to engage a certain community was I throw Christmas parties. And now people come and, you know, hang out and all that. Um, another thing is I like to draw and, you know, write. And so I want to engage them through my writings and through my art. <clears throat> so I'm going to pray, but then we're going to, I'll repeat those things. But I want to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the word that uh, went forth today, Lord God. And I really thank you for coming through. And because, yeah, it wasn't me at all. So I thank you, God, for, for speaking today. And I thank you for the light bearers, Lord, who shared their gifts, Lord God. And I pray that they can see, even if they don't remember the whole message, Lord God, but I just pray that they know that they can use their gifts to impact uh, their groups, their schools, their friends, and their social circles for you, Lord God. And help the parents uh, raise up their kids to develop their gifts so that they can use those both in the church and outside of the church, Lord God. And maybe be like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Lord we can be in a foreign place, in a foreign culture, Lord God, and still um, shine for you, Lord Jesus. And we can still share your gospel, and we can still share the goodness of the Lord, and really rely and trust on you, God. It's not easy all the time, but uh, we just pray that your hand will be upon us, that your spirit will give us strength in those times, Lord God. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.